0: The reading is in John's Gospel, chapter 21, verses 7 to 19. Then the disciple, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord! As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, "'Bring some of the fish you have just caught.' So Simon and Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, "'Come and have breakfast.' None of the disciples dared ask him, "'Who are you?' They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples, after he was raised from the dead.
1: When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else would dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, Follow me.
2: Good morning. I know that a couple of weeks ago, kind of tortured some of you. by going on about various different gardens at a time when a lot of us don't have gardens. And I'm really sorry, because today might be even worse. Today, our story is about something that happens on a beach. And I know that that's somewhere that a lot of us would really like to be. Now, all hope is not lost. I was sent an amazing picture this week by one of the families in our church who actually painted a beach on their garden fence and it looked fantastic. And those of you that live in kind of Poplar or the islands, you probably know that there is a little beach on the island and maybe you can even do your daily exercise there while we're on lockdown. And one of my friends sent me a photo this week of that beach first thing in the morning when the water was completely calm. And it made me think about how it probably was on the morning in question, that morning that Jesus encountered his disciples on a beach, that morning when Jesus had this strange conversation with Peter. Have you ever really let someone down? I'm not talking about being a bit late, they're getting a birthday but have you ever really betrayed someone to understand today's passage and to understand why it has meaning and hope for us today we actually need to rewind a bit we need to understand this guy peter we need to understand his character and we need to understand the way that he let jesus down because then the significance of this beachside moment will really hit us. So we're gonna look back at just a few of the little events in Peter's life that we know about. We're gonna start with his call. So the time when he first started following Jesus and not only following him, but being one of that inner core of the 12. So I'm reading from Matthew chapter four, verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. So Peter became a disciple of Jesus, and he followed him, and he followed him and saw So many of the incredible miracles that Jesus did. Peter saw the feeding of the 5,000. He saw miraculous healings. Even a resurrection from the dead. And also following Jesus, he heard Jesus' teaching. That incredible wisdom. The parables. And not only that, but Peter heard firsthand what Jesus said about who he was, what he'd come to do, and what was gonna happen to him in order for his mission to be accomplished. So Peter, he'd heard all this stuff. He was right in the inner circle. This is Peter. And I wanna share with you one of my favorite Peter stories. I just love this. I actually find it really funny. Um, So still in Matthew's gospel, chapter 17. Verse one, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you. One for Moses and one for Elijah. So they've gone up this mountain and Jesus is radiating the glory of God. So much that not only his face is shining, but his clothes are glowing. And then Moses and Elijah appear like Moses had lived thousands of years before. And there he is. It's a massive deal. And Peter just reminds me of me when there's an awkward silence. It's like he feels like he's got to say something. And so he says, Lord, it's good for us to be here. What? What is that? How is that an appropriate response to this amazing thing that's happening before his eyes? Then he goes on. If you wish, I'll put up some shelters for us. I guess probably it was quite sunny up there. And so he's offering to put up some shade For Jesus, Moses and Elijah. I mean, it It's just hilarious and ridiculous and, I think, quite an inappropriate response to what's going on. So let's read on. While he was still speaking, so literally while Peter's waffling on in his vein, a bright cloud enveloped them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. That's a more appropriate response to what they've seen. They fall to the ground, terrified. This is a big deal. But in that earlier response of Peter, I think we see something of his character. He's kind of an impetuous guy. Often he seems to act before quite thinking it through. To speak maybe before thinking it through. Is anyone else a bit like that? Now, all four of the Gospel writers record for us a moment when Peter made a really bold claim of allegiance to Jesus. And they also tell us what Jesus said in response. And I'm going to read it now from Mark chapter 14, verse 27. So this is now in the garden. This is the night that Jesus is going to be betrayed. This is the night before he's going to be crucified. Verse 27, you will all fall away, Jesus told them. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I've risen, I'll go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. i tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. I believe that Peter really meant that. I believe that he really meant that he was willing to die with Jesus if necessary. That he felt extreme loyalty to Jesus and that he expected that he would act on that loyalty. And part of the reason I believe that is actually what happened just a short time later in the garden i'm going to read from john's gospel now chapter 18 and this is just a moment before jesus has identified himself to the crowd who've come to arrest him and he says i'm the one you're looking for leave them don't harm any of my disciples take me it's i and then verse 10 of john 18 then simon peter who had a sword drew it and struck the high priest's servant cutting off his right ear The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? That sounds like real courage, doesn't it? Sounds like when he made that promise, that declaration to Jesus, sounds like he he meant it. There was this physical danger and Peter responded instinctively, drew his sword and cut off the guy's ear but just a few hours maybe even within the same hour this is what happened so just moving on to verse 15. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus because this disciple was known to the high priest he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard but Peter had to wait outside at the door the other disciple who was known to the high priest came back spoke to the girl on duty there And brought Peter in. You're not one of his disciples are you? The girl at the door asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold and the servants and officials stood around a fire they'd made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them warming himself. So it seems like Peter's bold and brave when there's physical danger but just melts when he's asked a simple question and I totally get that. One of the stories that Tim likes to tell to embarrass me is about a time when there was this group of youths taking drugs and dealing in our stairwell in our block and so one day I chased them out of the block with a pool cue and it was actually a really stupid thing to do and there was a lot more of them than of me and they were all a lot bigger than me um, it wasn't something particularly wise. But the truth is that sometimes when I'm feeling threatened, sometimes when I'm feeling fearful, I actually react in anger and then that turns into kind of reckless courage. But if you criticise me in public, I'll just die. I just, I just can't criticise me on Twitter and I just melt. So I can understand Peter. I can understand how one minute he's cutting off someone's ear and the next minute in response to a simple question from a servant girl, he fails. His courage deserts him. Fear of man overwhelms him. And of course he does it again. Of course he does. Jesus said that he would and he does. Sometimes when you've lied You have to keep on lying. You have to double down on that lie. There's no way back. So verse 25. As Simon Peter stood warming himself, he was asked, you're not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? Again. Peter denies it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. Twice more, just the third time. Even a relative of Iachae asks him. It's a chance for Peter to remember that courage, that, that feeling that he had in the garden, but he doesn't. He denies Jesus again. And at that moment, the rooster crows just like Jesus said imagine if that was the end of Peter's story imagine if Good Friday was bad Friday because Jesus died and he stayed dead imagine if Peter had to live forever with that knowledge that he had betrayed his Lord his rabbi his friend Thankfully for Peter and thankfully for us, that wasn't the end of the story. And in a moment, we're going to look at the story of the restoration of Peter and what it means for me, for you, for any of us who've let people down. We're going to look at the hope by the sea. But before we do that, my good friend Nixon is going to share a testimony with us.
3: Good morning, everyone. My name is Nixon Robinson. Me and my my wife, Nadine Robinson, we started to come to our community church from 2013. As life is not always nice and smooth. I had to go through lots of times, dark valleys, narrow valleys. Today, I'm gonna share one of those experiences where I was backsliding from God for a few months Uh, Something happened to my church. Devil attack happens when everything seems okay. And beginning of 2012, something went very wrong. And all the church members hurt spiritually. Everyone got upset and affected by the fact what happened. It hurt me badly. I stopped to go to church, stopped reading Bible, and stopped praying, and it was continued a few months. It was... I was backsliding from God. I was in a spiritual battlefield, very upset, withdrawn, shocked. During that time, Rolly, one of my friends, he always asked me to join his church, but I never felt like that. One day, I decided to go and meet him in his church. It was a massive tornado inside my mind. When I entered to the church building, entered through the door, I saw the word on the screen, be still. It was a life-changing word for me. That moment, I, you know, I feel so calm inside my heart. I cannot remember anything, what was the preaching about, or what of the song, anything, but I never forget that word on the day, be still. And few days after, one night, midnight, I opened my Bible for the first time, for a couple of months, after a couple of months, and then I find the word, and that word uh, from proverb, from Proverbs chapter 3, let me read. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands inside your heart, for they will prolong your life many years. And then verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and learn, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. When I read this verse, middle of the night, it seems to me, God was talking to me. I realized I was going wrong direction. we still in the storm and do not forget God's teaching. So I start to realize myself. And I started to stand firm on the mighty rock of Jesus Christ. And then both of us, we decided to go around, look for the better church, a good church around us. We visited so many churches in Stratford and Newham areas. One day, Enam asked me to come to his church, that was Tower Hamlet Community Church. In the beginning of 2013, we came to this church and we found a new beginning, new life, new family. We found it is not only a church, but also a spiritual hospital, where I met all these people with an extraordinary heart. So they are all simple people, but they have a very welcoming, extraordinary heart for us. My dear friends, once I was lost, I am found. Never backslide from God, please. Keep God's command in your heart and be still in in the storm. Thank you very much. God bless you.
2: In the first part of our sermon today, we looked at who Peter was. We looked at some of the context for the passage that we're looking at today. We heard about the kind of guy Peter was and about probably the worst moment of his life when he really let Jesus down when he denied him three times. And I wonder if you were paying attention and noticing some of the parallels between what happened then and what we're looking at today in John 21. Peter's denial took place by a fire. And on that morning on the beach, Jesus was by a fire. And that's where this conversation happens. And there are three questions each time. So let's look at our passage for today. Verse 14 tells us that this was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. I think it's important for us to reflect on the fact that this was a real appearance. This wasn't a ghost or some kind of mass hallucination. Ghosts don't eat fish Cooks on a barbecue. Ghosts don't give you food because Jesus gave them bread. Hallucinations can't satisfy your hunger. One time I was fasting when I was at work and I was finding it really hard and I actually started hallucinating that my boss was a hamburger because he was sort of talking quite a long time and started to imagine that he was just like a hamburger going like this opening and closing but you know that hallucination did nothing for my hunger because hallucinations don't so from this account I don't think that it leaves us with the option that the disciples were mistaken about Jesus being raised from the dead I don't think it leaves us with the option that this was just a hallucination so We either need to believe it or we need to say that they were liars. They weren't mistaken though. So Jesus appeared real in the flesh eating and giving them food and then he has this conversation with Peter, this restoration moment for Peter. So when they'd finished eating, verse 15, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Why do you think Jesus asked him if he loved him more than the rest? Was that the standard that Jesus required of him? I don't think so. I think Jesus was referring back to Peter's own claim. Do you remember we looked at Mark 14 Where Jesus says, Peter says, even if they all fall away, I won't. I'll stay. I'll be by your side. Peter himself claims that he had deeper allegiance to Jesus than any of the others. And so now Jesus says to him, do you love me more than these? Peter doesn't really address that part of the question. And so Jesus asks him again in verse 16, and this time there's no comparison with anyone else. Just, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And then in verse 17, a third time. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know, I love you. Why was Peter hurt? Did that third time of asking make him think of another question that he'd been asked three times? A question that he'd got wrong when he denied Jesus? It's interesting, the first two times. Jesus asked him Peter says you know that I love you but the third time of asking it's almost like Peter has one of those revelation moments that he sometimes has he says you know all things Jesus knows all things Jesus knew that Peter was going to deny him Jesus knows the state of Peter's heart there's no value in Peter making bold statements dramatic claims because Jesus knows Jesus knows the depth of his love, and he also knows the shallowness of his love. And yet, and yet, Jesus restores Peter. He doesn't just forgive him, but he actually gives him a commission. He gives him a task. He says, look after my sheep. Now, we know that Jesus taught himself as a good shepherd, and he really valued the sheep. But he says to Peter, look after my sheep gives him that precious task. I think all of us who have been forgiven by God through Jesus are restored, but we're also given a task. We're given a way to exercise our love for him. What's your task? Peter took his really seriously. We know that actually he he really took hold of that commission that he was given. And i just want to read to you a little extract from one of the letters that he wrote he was writing to the elders of the church and he wrote this in first peter chapter five verse two be shepherds of god's flock that is under your care serving as overseers not because you must but because you're willing as god wants you to be not greedy for money but eager to serve Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So we know that Peter took on that call from Jesus, that commission that he was given. He took it seriously. Was he changed? We looked at how he was kind of impetuous, kind of physically bold, but morally weak. Let's look at Acts 2. So this is the day of Pentecost, the day that the spirit came. Jesus had ascended and he promised his spirit. And now the spirit had come to give them power to be witnesses. And they're all talking in all these different languages, empowered by the spirit of God and some in the crowd start making fun of them. And remember that the criticism of others, the judgment of others, this is one of Peter's weak spots. So Acts 2 verse 13, it says, some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Them lot are drunk. That's what's going on here. But Peter doesn't cringe. He's not scared anymore. What happens? Verse 14, Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Peter had changed, Peter had been given a new boldness, not just the kind of boldness that cuts off an ear, but boldness to speak out about who Jesus is, to the crowd, not afraid of their opinions. Now, he wasn't made perfect, actually, and if you've got time, maybe you want to check out Paul's letter to the church in Galatia, and in particular chapter 2, where Paul actually talks about a dispute that he had with Peter, because... Peter had kind of let his fear of other people's opinions cloud his judgement and he'd sort of changed his mind for a while and then he got back on the path. So we see that Peter, yes, he actually really grew in true boldness for Jesus, but he wasn't perfect. And that encourages me because I'm not perfect. So turning back then to John 21, after this little exchange, this kind of mirror back on what had happened before, Jesus prophesies over Peter again. He makes a prediction about Peter and it's about the kind of death that Peter's going to die. So verse 19, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. So Jesus has prophesied that Peter's going to die, a death at the hands of others. It's not going to be good. But by it, he's going to glorify God. And then Jesus says, follow me. Because now Peter can. I want to turn lastly to John 13. Now, I said to you that all of the Gospels record that moment where Jesus predicted Peter's denial. And some of them tell us different elements of what was said. And there's a really important part of the story in John Verse 36, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. You can't follow me now, but you will follow me later. And this moment on the beach is the moment where it's the later. Jesus says to Peter, now you can follow me. So what changed? What happened between John 13 and John 21? What happened to Peter? The cross. The cross happened. Jesus' death happens, and with it, the victory over sin, over death. And then what happened between John 21 and Acts 2? The Holy Spirit was given to empower followers of Jesus to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. That's what changed for Peter. Many people really struggle with closure when they've really let someone down and that person's no longer around to make peace with. Maybe they've died or maybe you're just out of contact or maybe it's not safe or right to be in touch with them. People pay a lot of money to mediums to supposedly be put in contact with the dead that they've injured. I was watching an old episode of House and there's a dying woman Dr Foreman pretends to be her dead husband, forgiving her for the car accident that had taken his life. And you watch it and you're supposed to feel impressed with Dr Foreman for his emotional intelligence in giving this woman this sense of closure. Because when we've wronged people, we long for restoration. When we've let people down, we want a chance to put it right we don't always get that chance. But this passage has hope for us. Because all sin, all harm against other people is actually against God. Now that might sound controversial. That might sound like I'm trivialising the harm that others have done to you or that you've done to others by saying that the victim doesn't matter actually, it's all about God. But I don't think it minimises our sin I think it maximizes it. If you were to kill and eat a swan in the United Kingdom, I mean it would suck for the swan, but actually you'd also be committing a crime against the queen because all swans belong to the queen. And so the swan is actually honoured in that. The swan is like this high status bird because you hurt a swan and you're you're injuring the queen. Humans are made in the image of God and every human is loved by God. And so if we harm another human being, we are sinning against God. And that is pretty bad news. But it's also really good news because it means that the forgiveness that God offers us covers all sin. And it might not be possible for you to have closure with every person in your life. You may not be able to get the forgiveness of everyone that you've wronged. And you may not have a chance to give your forgiveness to them. It might be too late in some cases. But if we put our trust in Jesus, if we're forgiven by God, all of our sin is covered. Like Peter, we can be restored and commissioned with a work to do for God. We don't need to visit mediums. We don't need Dr. Foreman to pretend for us. Whatever we've done, however we've broken relationship and let people down and let God down, that forgiveness and restoration is open to all of us. And that is really good news.